Ocean Conservation Conference, he said that if the problems affecting the world's oceans were ignored, it would cut off one of the world's major sources of food and economic growth. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Very good morning to you. Welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Brian Curtis here on Radio 3. This is our program about business and finance. Inflation picks up in the United States on the eve of the latest Fed meeting. China blocks a European shipping deal, sinking the share price of Maersk somewhat. And Citigroup shells out 5.4 billion Hong Kong dollars for a building in Kowloon East. The U.S. data were fairly good overnight with growth picking up and inflation getting closer to the Fed target. But workers' wages are going nowhere, meaning that on an inflation-adjusted basis, real wages are going down. So not great for the average worker. And what about for the stock market? You have a stronger economy. You have a lower unemployment rate. You have inflation rising. Guess what? That's a problem for the Federal Reserve. So that'll be one of the themes of the show today. What uh, next from the Fed? Of course, the Fed's two-day meeting will wrap up at about 2 o'clock tomorrow morning our time. That, by the way, was Alan Sinai from Decision Economics, one of the leading economists in the United States, talking about the higher inflation number and the Fed's predicament. A similar view we hear now from Russ Kostrich at BlackRock on that inflation number. It does appear to have bottomed. Uh, it is ticking a bit higher, and that does suggest, among other things, that the Fed may go a little bit earlier with a first rate hike than the market had expected. In our featured segments, we'll be taking a look at artificial intelligence and robots with Alex Walker of Financial Partners. We'll also be checking in with Robert Howe of Geomatrix about his latest investment ideas. And for an update on local markets, we'll turn to Stuart Aldcroft at City Investor Services. Here's how the Asian markets have opened up. Australia just a little bit down this morning. The ASX 200 off about well, a little bit less than one point at 58.30. And the Kospi in Seoul is down a little less than one point as well at 2001. The dollar is trading at 102.17 Japanese yen. So the dollar stronger against most other key currencies, uh, particularly because of that inflation number. The euro trading at 1.354 US and the pound 13 Hong Kong dollars and 14 cents. So U.S. consumer prices were up not 0.4% in May. That means that inflation over the past year was actually 2.1% higher. Will that make the Fed nervous? Inflation moving uh, toward and up to their target of 2% this soon, if it stays, is going to change the context uh, around which the Federal Reserve makes decisions and give us uh, uh, not just the exit on the tapering, but give us that first rate hike sooner rather than later. Again, Alan Sinai, perhaps by April or July of next year, that's the thinking at this point, or at least what you can tell from futures prices. Back to Mr. Kestrich, he doesn't think that it's bad news. That the economy is improving, that this is not just a matter of commodity prices or energy prices, but there is a broader pricing power that's starting to take hold in the economy, and that's indicative of stronger growth. And I think we've seen that in the other other numbers. So basically, this report is in line with the other numbers we've seen the last few months, that that slowdown, that contraction we had in the first quarter was really about the weather. And now that we've gotten past the winter, we're seeing a stronger economy take hold. 
Average hourly earnings for American workers rose about 49 cents an hour over the past year. So that isn't enough to cover inflation. So real worker pay then is actually down 0.1% over the past 12 months. The dollar edged higher on the news. U.S. Treasury prices fell. The yield on the 10-year jumped five basis points to 2.65%. On Wall Street, stocks edged a bit higher. Investors shrugged off the turmoil in Iraq and kept an eye on the Fed. Its two-day policy meeting, as I mentioned, will be ending early tomorrow morning, our time. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 27 points in this latest session to 16,808. The S&P 500 gained four points, or not 0.2%, to 1941. The Nasdaq up 16 at 4337. Mr. Kesterich says the stock market can probably handle higher rates, but it will depend on the context of the move. If rates are rising, but they're rising at a reasonable or slow pace, and they're doing so because the economy is getting better and it's real rates, rather than inflation expectations that are rising, I think the stock market can withstand that. What's going to be a bigger threat for stocks is if we have an oil spike, and that leads to a increase in inflation, which clearly right now the market is not expecting. The benchmark S&P 500 has advanced a little more than 5% so far this year. It's trading at 16.4 times projected earnings of its members. That's up from 15.5 times at the beginning of the year. The latest housing data out overnight were were unexciting, about a million new homes created. Annika Khan at Wells Fargo says the housing market is facing some demographic challenges. The vast majority of new households uh, are renters. And if we look at the younger generation, those that are the so-called echo boomers slash millennials, they have a higher propensity to rent. And the, the, the magnitude of that particular demographic is very, very large. And so with many of these young potential borrowers um, very much inclined to continue to rent, we're going to see this trend for a very long time. So echo boomers would be, for instance, uh, the children of people like Stuart and myself in our early 50s. Uh, well, I lie, late 50s. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, for those folks uh, at the moment, they are renting. And we'll have some discussion of this with Stuart uh, a little bit uh, later in the program. Just to round out some of the other news that I featured in our headlines this morning. Here in Hong Kong, Citigroup is paying $5.4 billion for an office tower in Kowloon East. City says it's the largest ever office transaction in Hong Kong. The building from a unit of Wheelock will be ready toward the end of 2020. 15. And China has blocked an alliance formed by the world's three biggest shipping lines. The Ministry of Commerce has said that the vessel pooling deal would have restricted competition and shares of Maersk were down 5.3%. Briefly in Europe, stocks were modestly higher. In London, the FTSE 100 up 12 points. In Frankfurt, the DAX up 36. In Paris, the CAC gaining 26 points. An early good morning to Robert Howe, Chief Executive Officer of Geomatrix. Robert, good morning. Good morning. Am I reaching you today from um, the paradise of Hawaii? Well, I, I split my time between two island paradises, as I told you. Um, Hawaii, I run the Akamai program here, and I have the, the Geomatrix um, uh, firm in Hong Kong. And uh, they're very different, but uh, somehow I've linked them up. Um, so what how, do you want to know about the market? How is, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, is it paradise on Wall Street for you these days? It is. I mean, it's a, it's a Goldilocks economy, not too hot, not too cold. 
and earnings are coming through, rates are not going up, which would typically happen this late into a cycle because unemployment is is stubborn and hard to go down. So, um, it, yeah, it's just, you know, rate, rates are low, earnings are going up, so the numerator and the denominator of the valuation ratio or equation is, is, is both positive for stocks. The multiple is not cheap, but at current rates on the Fed model, the market is, is very attractive. In our news just before this program start, we heard uh, a BBC correspondent, John Simpson, uh, saying that things have settled down a little bit in Iraq. We do see the oil price higher today. Brent crude, $113.45 a barrel. That's up just about a half a dollar or so from the past uh, four or five days. Are you worried at all about uh, geopolitical issues? Yes, and just totally confused. It's it's kind of binary, Iraq, as far as I understand it. We have a, a Muslim on our team who understands the, the Sunnis and the Shiites. What this has done is really started, you know, a holy war, I think, between the Sunnis and the Shiites that, that reverberates around the region. Um, the the end game that is good is if there's a deal done uh, with Iran, which has been a problem for us, and it may be that the enemy of our enemy is our friend, and the U.S. is able to finally come to an accommodation with Iran, and and, and that would, they're they're the big power in, in the region. But that that will be after a period of turbulence. In any case, markets seem to have settled a little bit here in the last uh, couple of days. Um, when you look at the um, economic data out overnight, particularly the inflation number. Do you agree with some of the commentators' uh, clips that I played that this may mean the Fed moving faster than we thought? Um, yes, they will look at uh, goods price inflation. If it starts to tick up, they'll they'll raise interest rates um, sooner rather than later. I I, I think the the key is the monetary. I, I, we've always cared more about quantitative easing than, than interest rates. You know, Japan ran on a low interest rate policy but was not actually running quantitative easing for, for two decades except twice. And it's QE which drives the markets relative to the deficit, which has come down. The, the continued bond purchasing by the Fed is more as a percentage than it was in 2009. So even though they've tapered back, there's still a bigger force because the demand you know, has, or the supply of bonds has, has shrunk as the deficit has, has come down. Can I ask you a question for the average listener and for myself as well? Um, why is it that if a central bank is buying bonds, that that in some way, you know, is better for the stock market than, say, even lower interest rates? Well, it, it just liquefies the balance sheets of, uh, of banks. It, it, it puts, you know, real money into the economy that. Uh, kind of sloshes around, and it goes into asset prices. So uh, typically then either land prices go up, as they did in Japan in the late 80s, or stock prices go up, and there's a wealth effect. So when we look at the Fed tomorrow morning, uh, will its task be any um, more complicated by this latest inflation data? And do you expect uh, you know the possibility of something to upset markets? Um. No, but that's when you get that's when you get markets surprising you. Uh, no, I, I, I mean as I said, I think we're we're still in the Goldilocks, maybe a little bit hot. The porridge from you know the latest inflation numbers. We don't expect you know a, a sudden hawkishness, but that's the kind of thing. You know, the markets have been the U.S. market has just been steadily advancing. You know, zero point two percent up a day in a straight line now for a couple of months, and. 
you know, VIX's uh, measure of fear in the market, the volatility of um, implied in S&P put options, that is at a record low of 11%. So, so you've got um, a low, low VIX never, and low volatility. Yeah, you never, you, you, it comes out of left field, typically. <laughs> right. Okay, so are you, um, are you buying um, cheap China stocks at the moment, or are you sticking yeah, mainly are. with the U.S.? We are. We are a little bit. We are a little bit, because what's happened, the, China's been running a quantitative tightening for since December, uh, since, since June 1989. We just had the anniversary of Tiananmen Square, and it was, what, it was inflation that drove students into the square, and it's inflation what, is what the authorities fear. Now, they just cut the reserve ratio, a blunt instrument, uh, 100 basis points. And that, that is, um, that's really, uh, I mean, most, most economies don't use the reserve ratio quite the way the Chinese do. That's, it, it's very powerful and they unleash some liquidity. And I think we've seen a turn as, and it's, it's, they're getting scared about what's happening with property prices because it reverberates into local government finances and, you know, everything. The whole, the whole thing threatens to go bankrupt. So they're going to loosen monetary policy finally. And it's time, you know, the stocks are as cheap as they've ever been. And we're, we've just started to pick up a few. Okay, Robert, thank you very much for joining us. Robert Howe, Chief Executive Officer of Geomatrix and Akamai, as you mentioned, saying it is the time now to be picking up some of these um, low-priced Chinese shares. <laughs> Fifteen minutes after eight o'clock, you're listening to Radio Three and our business about finance and uh, business news. Our program about business news. It's called Money for Nothing. And let's say good morning to Stuart Aldcroft, senior advisor at City Investor Services. Stuart, thank you for joining us. Good morning, Brown. So um, we've just been really kind of talking um, a little bit too much about stock markets, but um, that's what you like to do. Well, we talk about we like to talk about the economy and the latest yeah. trends in business, and we're going to hear about robots. Can't wait to talk to uh, Alex Walker in a few minutes, sitting next to you there, about um, robotics and um, you know this the impact that it has on business. So, so we'll come to that in just a moment. But with you, let's talk a little bit about the business environment at the moment uh, in Hong Kong. We obviously have Occupy Central that is looming. People are bit nervous about that. We have a slowing Chinese economy and Hong Kong kind of caught in between uh, the, you know, this relationship between Hong Kong and China. How do you feel at the moment? Uh, I mean, it's a difficult answer to, to give because, you know, I hear what Robert had to say just now about China and I do agree with him. China is looking relatively good value. It's cheap. Um, but when you look at the stock market in Hong Kong, more than 50% of the market now is represented by mainland stocks. And because the market's done rather badly relative to the rest of the world over the last four or five years, that's meant that the Hang Seng Index hasn't done as well as many people would have expected. Now, the good news, I think, is that we are looking in the second half of this year as a lot more positive. Um, as the economies of Europe and America are growing and as buying and retail activity is picking up, manufacturing is increasing. And it's not just for China, but it's for other parts of the Asian region too. And that, I think, will feed into uh, better prices on the markets generally. So you don't worry too much about the possibility of higher interest rates. Do you agree with um, with Russ Kustrich that it depends on the context? If the economy is doing well and rates go up, that's okay. But if the Fed is 
kind of hell-bent on raising rates when the economy is mixed as it is now, then we could be in trouble. Well, I think it's quite interesting to, to listen to what the Bank of England governor said last week and, and what the Fed might do this week. They seem to be in concert to some extent uh, in saying, or well, the Fed hasn't said it yet, but I, I'm fully expecting the Fed to indicate that sometime soon, maybe in the next six to 12 months, they will start to increase interest rates. Obviously, tapering will have ceased by then. Um, but the market is going to be given lots of pre-warning that interest rates are going to go up. But they're not going to go up a lot. They're not going to double overnight. They're not going to go up by 5%. They're, they're coming off so, so it does, all-time it doesn't, lows. It doesn't provide a shock, in other words. Uh, Absolutely you know, not. Yeah. The affordability you know, will change a little bit. Mm. You'll have to pay a little bit more for a mortgage, but it's not going to encourage people to sell all at once. No, not at all. And, and I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm being entirely cynical about this, of course, there are elections going to be coming up in the next two years as well in, in the UK, US and, uh, and elsewhere. So you know they're, they're not going to want to put up interest rates very high if they thought that they were going to get um, dumped out by the electorate. So you mentioned the three central banks. It seems that the Bank of England is tilting toward a tightening bias, whereas the obviously the European Central Bank is is tilting very much toward a loosening of of, of rates. I mean, that went negative on interest very rates. Very much so. Yes. Yeah. So mm. is the Fed caught in the middle? Is it sort of uh, neutral now, or do you think it's also tilting toward uh, tightening? I think it's tilting towards tightening. I think it's a reflection of the domestic economies of the of the three areas. Uh, Europe, you look at across Europe, and there are still parts of Europe that are, are struggling to, to recover, although the, the recovery is, is in fact happening. Uh, but it still needs more stimulus, and a lower interest rate will put more cash into the, into the banks to, um, or take the cash out of the banks and put it into lending and, and help people to be more proactive, which is what is needed in the European economies at this point. The UK economy and the US economy are both doing particularly well. And uh, surprising on the upside, and that and that's being received by investors very positively, and that's being reflected by better prices and stronger currency in the case of sterling. Are we in Hong Kong at the moment dancing more to the tune of China or the U.S.? China. So whatever happens with rates, whatever the Fed says tonight, it doesn't it doesn't mean as much for us as the smooth handling of the mainland economy. Not at all, but it does have sentiment value, and, and sentiment in Hong Kong is always a great uh, play as well. So, but if the Fed does say that you know, in a couple of years' time or next year it's going to increase interest rates, that, that has to impact Hong Kong simply because of the currency peg. And, and so you know, with, with, with our currency peg, we are somewhat restricted in anything we want to do locally. But we'll, so, we benefit from Chinese growth too. From an investment standpoint, what interests you the most at the moment? Well, the U.S. Stay, stays strong. You know, there's a lot of uh, money sloshing around the system. M&A is going on. That's boosting share prices in individual stocks. Um, U.K. and Europe still look very positive. I think we, but we, we are very much leaning towards um, sort of North Asia uh, markets again. Uh, Japan's off about 8% this year, which um, possibly means it's getting very close to a buying opportunity. China, um, the recovery of, of stock prices is way overdue, but the, the, there is still a bit of an overhang. 
But there's a lot of effort being put in at the moment by the Chinese government through um, its various regulators to open up the market, to bring more foreign money in, to, to make it a much more proactive market from an investor perspective. And I think that could be received very positively over the next 12 months. All right, Stuart, stay with us. Um, we'll be bringing in um, Mr. Walker in just a moment to talk about robots. See the I just wanted to bring people up to date on what uh, the markets are telling us at the moment. And it's a little bit of indecision. We don't see a lot of movement. Gold is now trading at $1,271.70 a troy ounce. Oil prices, as I mentioned, about $113. Not too much of a change from overnight in New York. Uh, The dollar is trading now at 102.17 yen. The Australian dollar, 93.35 cents. So the Australian dollar down a little little bit against the uh, greenback. And... And looking at the renminbi, the latest rate, the fixing rate, 6.152, trading at about 6.22 or so. Money for nothing. The time is now 23 minutes after 8 o'clock. Well, just to set up our discussion about robots, you have to um, you have to admit that we are now talking more and more about robotics and its effect on consumers. It has long been the case that robotics has been very much uh, involved in the industrial sector, especially manufacturing and storage. Earlier this month, a supercomputer passed the Turing test for the first time, duping humans into thinking that it was a 13-year-old boy. The event was considered a milestone in artificial intelligence and it raises the prospect of thinking machines. We're joined now by Alex Walker, Director of Wealth Management Financial Partners Limited. Alex, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Is that a fair assessment that robots have been around for a long time and uh, yeah, they've been a big part of the industrial process, but now from driverless cars to delivery drones, we're going to see it affecting consumers a lot more. Yeah, I think... um if everyone thinks about it, actually computers have been and robots in our lives a lot for many, many years. I mean, the Turing test was done in the 1950s uh, as a benchmark uh, and has been a tried and tested benchmark to develop a, a computer or robot that thinks for itself, much like a human. In other words, to dupe at least uh, 30% of the people. Um, yeah, just getting a little bit of um, feedback there. I wonder if uh, perhaps uh, you put the phone down and mm-hmm. also uh, if it's not too much of a problem to turn down the uh, headset just a little bit. So go ahead, continue with your thought. Yeah, so the, um, when we have a look at computers, there's actually quite a strong evidence. Um, uh, the traditional concept of a physical computer uh, like uh, you know what we see out of Japan, the recent one that's just come out, where there's the new f- feeling robot that can feel your emotions and test and, and understand more about you. But um, you know there's also a lot of robots that you might not think in the traditional sense, like algorithms. So, for example, uh, on what most people don't realise, on the Nasdaq these days, 70% of the volume is through uh, high-frequency tra- trading and algorithms, which is basically a form of electronic robot. So. Um, there's there's a lot of permutations of, of what we might traditionally think of what we see in Hollywood movies uh, of what is, is termed as a physical robot. 
kind of brings to mind artificial intelligence and, uh, you know, the prospect of the Terminator or something like that. Uh, I was listening to Elon Musk overnight, and he's trying to get a little bit more exposure to artificial intelligence. Uh, do, do you worry that that could go in a bad direction for humankind? I think um, the interesting thing is traditionally wars uh, have been fought with putting people on the ground with guns. What we've seen, um, I think, more specifically with uh, North Korea, Iraq, Iran, these sorts of situations where um, certain foreign powers aren't necessarily sending people over anymore. They're sending viruses um, and various uh, computer hacking technology. And I wouldn't, I'm not defending any particular country here because I think... Uh, you know, many countries are, are doing this, um, but it's an interesting form of, of new warfare where rather than spilling blood, it's a matter of, you know, who's got the best hackers and the best computer uh, technicians to bring down, um, you know, a nuclear um, uh, device or something of that nature. So I think the, the nature of warfare is, is changing, and that's where we've seen in the U.S. there's been a lot of talk about in the Pentagon about why are we spending all this money and all this aircraft and tanks and, you know, they're all sitting in the, in the warehouse gather, gathering dust. Um, so there's a, there's a big shift in, in the U.S. budget and spending. But uh, to answer your question, yes, there is the other side. I mean, there's the nice things about having a, a robot waking up in the morning and bringing you breakfast, but there's also the element of the more and more we become connected, most people are carrying, um, you know, smartphones, which arguably are a sophisticated device with a lot of personal data on it. Um, so we're becoming more connected to the net and more connected to the, the overall electronic network. So you mentioned drones uh, as used in military um, ap applications. What about um, drones for delivery? So we laughed a lot when, uh, you know, Pizza Maker was talking about delivering pizzas with drones. But is this likely to get into, uh, um, you know, consumer use soon? Yeah, I think um, what's interesting when people, when you actually look at why, did, why is there a push for robotics? I mean, we look at car manufacturing and automation of, of, of taking out workers out of the factory and, and putting in a machine that can work 24-7. We say, why do they do that? Well, it's basically cost of efficiency. So they say, well, we pay this amount for the machine. We have less um, cost for labour. Um, and hence we can get more productivity. So why would an Amazon or pizza company, etc., use a drone to deliver a pizza? Well, it doesn't involve a human. It's got less downtime. Uh, it's a lower cost, etc. And this is really what's driving, in my view, robotics. It comes down to efficiencies. Why would someone invest into uh, a machine? I mean, a good example in Hong Kong, I think about four months ago, it was, I think, in the South China Morning Post, where there was a local uh, hairdresser, in other words, a hair salon, that um, traditionally would employ two, uh, not, not um, uh, hairstylists, but people that would wash your hair. As everyone knows in Hong Kong, you go into the hairdresser and then they'll generally wash your hair either at the beginning or the end, and it'll be an individual, and usually they're a young person or something like that. This particular uh, hairdresser actually purchased uh, two machines that do the hairdressing, and so uh, he obviously took the view that you know spending that, I think it was about 80000 Hong Kong per machine, that that was going to be a good investment of his money rather than hiring a, a staff member. Okay, just briefly, because we don't have too much time, in terms of the robot makers and the possibility of them being listed on various stock exchanges, uh, are we talking more Japan, Taiwan, Korea, or where? Uh, the, I mean, as we know, Japan is tra traditionally, if we're talking about traditional physical, you know, robots that we would we think of again in, in movies and things, Japan has been a, a very strong leader in, in that sense. 
but as we know, um, Korea is always very close on the heels of Japan, and also Taiwan has been a very strong in the manufacturing space. And Stuart, so, are, are you afraid of losing your job to an algorithm? Um, no, I don't think I'm that intelligent, actually, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you do see an, an awful lot more use of um, algorithms and uh, and robotics in things like tax preparation, uh, stock analysis, and, and the likes. So, well, we haven't got it for radio announcements uh, yet, though, have we? I'm sure it'll come yes. uh, sometime soon. Work on so. it. Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, I'm retiring in September anyway, so uh, uh, mandatory retirement at age 60, I will tell. I will uh, well, add. Anyway, uh, Stuart, thanks very much You're for joining right. us, and Alex, you too. Alex, uh, Alex Walker, Director of Wealth Management Financial Partners, and Stuart Aldcroft, a Senior Advisor at City Investor Services. That's it for the program today. Stay listening. We've got the news coming up next, and after that, back chat here on Radio 3. Radio 3, by the way, your home for special programs in the morning on business and finance. All right, the weather today, mainly cloudy with showers, some local thunderstorms in the morning, maximum temperature of 32. We'll see you tomorrow. The News with Janice Wong. The United States has captured one of the suspected ringleaders of the 2012 attack on its diplomatic compound in the Libyan city of Benghazi, in which four Americans died. Ahmed Abu Katala, who was detained near Benghazi on Sunday, is expected to face charges before a court in Washington. The Obama administration has been criticized for not doing enough to hunt down those responsible. But the Pentagon spokesman, Rear Admiral John Kirby, said it had not been easy. These people deliberately try to evade capture and putting yourself in a position where you can properly ID and move against them takes a lot of planning. And I don't think anybody's going to apologize for 